0: It was December. The sleeves of my sweater were long enough to pull over my fingers to keep my hands warm. Summer was long gone, and the fall was transitioning into winter. You know what I
1: mean?
0: It was the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve, 2022. I was alone this time, so I wouldn't need to inquire with Roro about her availability to watch Medina. Even though Roro would send me videos to show Medina, so she wouldn't forget her and I didn't need Saleh to be my sidekick this time either. But before I booked my flight to go back to Beirut, I made sure they were around, and they emphatically said that they were and encouraged me to stop hesitating and book the damn flight already. Unlike that first time we met in my hotel in Hamra three months ago, this time seeing Saleh and Rodo was an actual reunion.
1: i <laughs> am <laughs> said, oh goodness, <laughs> <A> <laughs>
0: Recovering from his laugh, Saleh told me how much he missed me. And Rodo told me how she talked to Saleh's friend, who's a world traveler, telling her all about me. How during those three nights in Beirut, I hustled between nursing Medina and getting interviews done.
1: <laughs> <Social laughs> and
0: Salah interjected, and how you never sleep. I developed a habit of just turning on the recorder whenever I was with them, because oftentimes, especially with Saleh, I hit record too late and I would miss out on a moment I wish I could keep. On the terrace of Saleh's home in Hamra, I asked him if he ever wrote poetry. I knew he fiddled with rapping as a kid growing up in the Ermuk Palestinian refugee camp in Syria.
1: What the fuck? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> <people lose. laughs> Damn, Saleh. I
0: swear you're a poet. You well, TikTok? he said he had about ninety pages of a book about his life written already, but writing it hurt, and the bitterness of the memories linger in his mouth.
1: تعب والله. يعني إذا
0: he reflected on how he saw a lot of death during the siege on Yarmouk when he was 11 years old
1: Beyond
0: that he said the worst thing wasn't seeing death it was wishing for his own wondering, when is it my turn to
1: die? Victory's mine But they call me obvious. They fear my design So they push my buttons They like to hate me It's cool cause I love it They like to look down So I'm here to uppercut him I got your dirty laundry I got your dirty laundry I'm hanging out to dry When well, you go and get me coffee This for my people When their boss get bossy I ain't want the job I rather met job me I'm gone I slave to nobody My life is like a jungle Yours a safari At home eating cookies Asked daddy can you stop me I'm cleaning normal cookies Big brother trying to wash me Cooking in the kitchen I ain't doing this shit. Bring me to your home and tell me about my own business Take my passport, I'm still a flyer by distance Pass you by on the road from your fields to my kingdom I got my own problems, ain't gonna dig a shit up I going to stare shit up I got my own bra I'm not gonna dig a shit up Just stick up Give me all your money, and give me all you got
0: it was night 2 in beirut chino's farewell concert Ziggy just finished performing and he took us up to the VIP level of KED, where we had been standing hours earlier talking. From the balcony that perched over the stage, I watched that famous Lebanese nightlife in its full glory. That night, Chino was joined on stage often by collaborators, mostly friends, MCs from the days before, hip hop essentials, even. They were members of his crew, like the one he talked about seeing in that Naughty by Nature video in 1993. Al Ras, a veteran of the Lebanese rap scene and longtime collaborator of Chino, bid Chino farewell. In
1: his
0: goodbye, you can hear words he didn't say. Lebanon's economic crisis, which began at the end of 2019, and the ensuing inflation has pushed 80% of the Lebanese population below the poverty line. And according to one Human Rights Watch survey, 90% of households in Lebanon earn less than $377 per month. 40% of them earn less than $100. Everyone has their reasons for leaving, be it for ambition or simply adventure. But for most after 2020, to pursue a future that allows them to dream, grow, and thrive. Between 2020 and 2021 alone, the number of emigrants from Lebanon multiplied by 4.5 times. Lebanon is described as experiencing a terminal brain drain, witnessing the siphoning of its youth, and mass exodus among professionals and specialists. And I imagine for some watching Al-Ras say goodbye, it felt like being passed up for a life jacket on a sinking ship I had the chance to ask Chino why he was leaving during that interview, but I didn't think to. Wouldn't you put on a life vest too? I was an infant when my parents decided we were leaving Lebanon for good, and neither of them imagined a future where it would be possible to come back. When the concert ended, still pumped with the energy of the night, I asked Saleh if he felt like going home yet. I said, let's go to Al-Manara. El Al-Manara, El home of the iconic Sakrit al-Roche, known in the travel books as Pigeon Rock. Lebanese people just call it al-Roche. It represents Lebanese grit and resilience, an arc-shaped rock formation jetting above the water, yet standing firm and unshaken, enduring the persistent crashing of the waves. It's one of those rare places where Lebanon's religious sects, ethnic groups, and social classes converged to get out from under the weight of the city and to watch the waves crash against the rock. El Manada means lighthouse, and I had just always known that area to be lit. You could usually see all of Lebanon there. The rich handing their keys off to the valets of cliffside restaurants. The working people on their benches with their hookahs and tea kettles from home. Couples getting their caricatures drawn. And the vendors pushing their carts of hummus, jaleb, and of course Aranis. There's this song by Soap Kills, where the lead singer mimics the cadence of Almanada's vendors. That song always reminds me of warm nights in front of a roche memories with my parents. With one hand on the passenger handrail of Saleh's motorcycle, and the other holding onto my skirt, pulling it as close to my knees as I could while straddling a motorcycle, we set off for El Manara. It was so dark. Visiting Lebanon as a kid, I studied the remnants of the 15-year civil war from the window of a backseat of a car. Even before the war formally ended in 1990, we began making trips to see the family we were separated from. And as we drove through Beirut, to grab something to eat before heading onto the road that led south to our village. We passed some of the hardest hit areas from the war. And I watched the collapsed buildings, the rubble, and the twisted metal. Buildings pockmarked with holes from weapons my young mind was too afraid to conjure. Laundry hung out to dry on half-collapsed buildings that looked like people still lived in. With these sites began to develop ideas that linger until today. Gratitude for being one of the ones given a life jacket, coupled with the question, Why me? Over the years, I watched Beidou's recovery efforts from the backseat, and year upon year it looked less battered. There was general optimism about the future, albeit a slow recovery muddled by internal and geopolitical complications. And although it was far from the end of Lebanon's problems with Israel, by the time Israel made its withdrawal from Lebanese sovereign territory in the South by the year 2000, my parents were cautiously optimistic about Lebanon's future. The long road to recovery was encapsulated in this satirical hit. It's the year 2000 and the country is fixed, the occupier is gone, there's no criminals taking our money, no this, no that. And that song went viral in the summer of 2000. We thought of it as a little bit of an exhale, at least for us in the diaspora, not because everything was fixed, but maybe because things are getting better enough to laugh about it. We zipped up the road with the ocean on my right. Must have been a new way because I didn't recognize where we were. It was so dark. I think I asked Saleh, when are we gonna get there, to El Manara? And he said, this is it. That's it? That's a dark and empty sidewalk. Where's El Manara? Why are the lights off? Where is everyone? The hip hop group Ghurabat has this song that sounds like it's about lovesickness. But as one of its members, Omar Adawiyye told me, it's actually about yearning for the Beirut of his happiest memories. This time, what I'm seeing from the back of Saleh's motorcycle is empty streets. The roads are dark. The restaurants are mostly empty or just shadows of their former glory. It's still warm, but summer's over. The wave of diaspora visitors that I'm usually a part of subsided. These are the signs of a country where 80% of people live in poverty, where people are rationing gas to go places, and the value of their money is decreasing by the day due to inflation. 2020 dealt a triple whammy to Lebanon. COVID came just as Lebanon's financial sector collapsed, and the country wasn't able to pay its bills. The government tightened its belt around already dysfunctional institutions necessary for daily living—water, electricity, food, sanitation, education, health, and more. The government began only providing electricity for one to three hours a day on average. Putting Lebanon's access to electricity as the third worst in the world. While people who can afford it supplement that supply with private generators, one Lebanese think tank reports that the average Lebanese household spends 75% of their income on electricity. This intensifies inequality in the country, pushing already vulnerable people further into poverty. It was clear from the early days following the Beirut port explosion that government negligence and greed were at fault. So the people, when they were done organizing and implementing volunteer search, rescue, and cleanup crews, took to the streets in a different way. The past few years have seen flare-ups of social unrest, protests, calls for revolution, and a violent government response. Protesters were beaten, tear-gassed, and sometimes even shot dead. Alongside Lebanon's classic anthems, Lebanese hip-hop could be heard in the streets too. Lyrics by the Lebanese rapper Bounasser could be seen on protest signs on the streets and spray painted on the walls. It was my second night in Beirut, and I asked myself again what I was doing there. Laying over my head. And my baby. My baby was in a hotel room in what used to be a bustling city center that has since gone dark. I sat on the back of Saleh's motorcycle and took everything in, found myself squinting in order to make out how this place could ever have been so bright. El Manado was dark, in the shadow of the grain silo, at the remnants of the port of Beirut. Better judgment would have dictated that we didn't get off the motorcycle to see El Roche up close. It was dark, and there were only a few children sitting in the doorway illuminated by a restaurant. As I got off the motorcycle, I immediately caught the gaze of a little girl, maybe my daughter Amina's age. I dropped my eyes and walked past her, despite her persistence. I didn't have any cash to give her. Salah and I went past the railing, separating the promenade from the cliffs, and sat with El Roche beneath our dangling feet, and my eyes filled with tears. I started talking about survivor's guilt and disconnection. I was thinking about the little girl and all the other kids in the streets these days. Children of all ages can be seen rummaging through trash or at the doorways of the restaurants of the elite asking for spare change. Lebanon absorbed more Syrian refugees than any other country. and nearly 11 years since the war in Syria began, around 1 million Syrian refugees remain displaced in Lebanon, accounting for nearly a quarter of Lebanon's total population. Paul didn't judge me when I started to cry. I talked about escaping the war and enjoying the fruits of my parents' hard work towards their American dream. I tried to explain the mixture of survivor's guilt and estrangement that one feels living in the Lebanese diaspora, that blessing of escaping the war that simultaneously curses you from ever feeling at home like you belong somewhere. Paul was a wonderful listener, but he didn't get it, and it was absurd for me to even try to discuss it with him. But I was fooled into it by his extreme empathy. Of course, he wasn't going to understand my lofty problems. Earlier in the day, killing time at soundcheck, he told me about his childhood living in the Yarmouk refugee camp in Syria. He casually told me how he'd be lucky if he could find a weed to eat once a week during the years-long siege on the camp. He can tell you about the 250 classmates he lost when his school was bombed. And I can tell you I learned a lot about how starvation is used as a recruitment tool.
1: كانوا أهلي ديلافت مين يرموك، في نار. يوزع لونز و stuff، و يوزع الحنجري و stuff. و كله بتاع عندي شيء لأعمله. يعني ما كان في كهربا ولا ماء، ولا ماء تشرب ولا أكل. ما كان في شيء. It can take you one week to find like a bottle of water or, or, or some food throwing in the garbage or whatever. We were receiving some, some water and food from you and, you know, and then the ISIS, they were like shooting at that, like a big truck of water. So the water would just fall on the, on the you know, yeah. the area was closed. But they wanted to like let the people to be in hunger so they can be with them. Who, we're ISIS? is like a new...
0: Stuck in the camp war. and separated from his parents at the age of 11, he confronted his actual survival. While I sat there talking about the burden of survivor's guilt, sitting at a roshia, I fumbled to get the recorder on as Solis started telling me about how money and possessions lost their value in the camp.
1: The <laughs> dam, الله قال إنه إنه عم And then
0: he started telling me about Prophet Yusuf, what he did with the great blessing that Allah gave him after escaping the well and getting out of prison in Egypt.
1: Does that mean? God made Prophet
0: Yusuf a king. And in turn, Prophet Yusuf freed the slaves and made everyone equal and employed everyone as employees of the state.
1: I didn't didn't
0: hear anyone calling for Hadanis that night with Saleh as we shared a smoke and let our legs dangle above the big rock. Saleh was suggesting I could use my blessings to do good, too. Not to squander them on something as useless as survivor's guilt. That night in September, I asked to go to Roche because I could still look at it and dream. I hadn't gone through what the locals did. The trauma of the blast was compounded for many young people with the trauma of the abuse they suffered on the streets during the uprisings. In Beirut on New Year's Eve, 2022, I listened to Aranis on the way to the airport at 3 a.m. My heart ached for the Beirut of Aranis. I thought about making a quick stop to Arroshe, but I didn't want to dwell on that relic of a bygone time. I had seen too much of the truth in Lebanon to lend itself to daydreaming. While watching the water crash Aranis, against the rock.